time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. All right, listeners, you called down the thunder, well now you've got it. Welcome to Minisode 17, our first monthly donor pick episode chosen by votes from our Patreon supporters. For this month, we wanted to honor the late, great Bill Paxton. While Tombstone is admittedly not his most iconic role, his presence is felt in a few highly emotional scenes that definitely elevate the film. And besides, we'd take any excuse to finally talk about this movie. Isn't that right, Patrick? That is absolutely right, Aaron. This is one of, if probably my only favorite Western. Boo! I mean, I know, yes, that's awesome, but it's also a boo because there's so many good ones. The, admittedly, I have a loving father who grew up with uh, the love of John Wayne, so much so that he named me after his kid. You would think that more Westerns would resonate with me, but you unfortunately, would. they don't. But fortunately, one does, and that is this one. Tombstone, by far, is my favorite Western with you know, with a limited gamut of things to choose from. So there it is. <laughs> well, I like to shout out to uh, Papa Papa Hicks, John Hicks there, um, your loving father, amazing man. Uh, and he has good taste if he likes Westerns. So we will try to usher you along down that path now after we've covered this one. And I will, I will take you on a journey using podcast episodes uh, to force <laughs> you to get to, to check out some of the better ones out there. But this show is about this one, right? This is about Tombstone. And there's a couple things that I want to say right off the bat. One is hopefully listeners, you out there are doing a quote counter because I would love to know how many quotes end up coming out of this episode by the end of it. It would be, it'd be a fun little uh, exercise. So you can, if you, if you guys are counting, be sure and uh, let us know on Twitter or Facebook after you're done listening to this one. Um, <laughs> This is an old film. I actually didn't even write down what, what year this came out, Patrick. That's that's me not doing research. I think it's like 91-ish? I think 93. I was so close. Um, but, you know, we're going to spoil the heck out of it. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with you, but please just stop listening. Uh, go home, watch this movie, and then you can turn us back on. Because this is an awesome film. Um Despite what some of my podcasting friends on uh, Facebook and other groups that I've been in have have said recently, that has really hurt my soul. I've heard some I've heard some chatter from people telling me they they did not like this movie, and I just I, I honestly just could not understand that, Patrick. So you you love it. So why don't you just kick us off and tell us why that is? Like, wh- how, how did you fall in love with Tombstone? Well, it's interesting going back to my dad. We were talking about. I think we were watching Silverado, which is another one that I that I dig. And I had mentioned Kevin Costner's character and how goofy he was compared to the Kevin Costner that I know from like the Robin Hoods and the Fields of Dreams and things like that. And he said, yeah, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Val Kilmer in Tombstone. And I go, I've never seen that. And he goes, what? <laughs> you can imagine my dad going. As every good father what? would say. Yes, indeed. So we had it on... I think it was Vahas, as we like to call it, VHS at the time. And we popped it in. And that was my first real experience with this. I was I was just I was amazed at the fact that as someone who doesn't it's not that I hate Westerns. It's just that Westerns really are my cup of tea. You know, if I had to pick a movie genre, Westerns would probably be fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, you know. They just don't come to mind when it you know, whatever. But when I started watching this and I started watching these characters just do their thing, particularly Doc Holliday. And, you know, as my dad pointed out, I began to think, is this a Western or is this an action movie with a Western kind of skin on top of it? And that's kind of why I, I loved it because I love action movies. I've always loved action movies. And when you take this, action adventure that's not centered around one event, but it contains one important event in American history, you know, the gunfight, the OK Corral, Mm -hmm. and you evolve these characters 
to me, that's really what got me into it. And then all of these great lines, particularly by Doc Holliday, but of course, Wyatt, Emmett, just all these guys, um, as I've watched it more and more, the cast and everybody involved have gotten me thinking, you know, each time I watch it, I'll look at him and I go, let me focus on this character. Okay, let me focus on this character this time. And I get something new and different and fun from it each time. So it came out of a need to get more exposure to good Westerns. And as a result, it became, you know, a good favorite of mine. Well, this doesn't surprise me because when we talked about the Magnificent Seven remake um, back at the end of 2016 or the fall of 2016, um, you also really enjoyed that one. And so I can see how this, this is trend of, of actiony, adventure westerns kind of being more like your thing, um, as opposed to the older slow down um, style of the, the historic westerns, the John Wayne movies and such. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'll have to use that as, as a guiding marker when I'm, I'm slowly introducing you to more, but that, this is going to happen now. This is, this is definitely going to happen. I, I won't force <laughs> horror on you because that's just not nice and not fair. Uh, because I, I, I respect your opinions on that, but I, I, uh, I don't think that there is, I don't think you dislike Western. So it's different, right? Because you honestly don't have an opinion on the rest of the genre so much as I'm, I'm indifferent to Western correct. as opposed to horror, which I clearly have a personal, like, uh, dislike aversion to yeah. aversion to aversion. That's a, that's a better word. Dislike is not, not the correct word aversion to, but Westerns are really more of an ambivalent, uh, ambiguous position that I have. Well, a couple things you said that I wanted to touch on. One is the idea of watching this through different perspectives. And that's pretty impressive because this has a cast that allows that to be the case. Um, I mean, it, gosh, I, 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 we could run down the list of names and we, we can. I mean, we have a Kurt Russell. We have a Val Kilmer, both of these guys in their primes. Um, we have Bill Paxton playing um our our our, you know the reason we're doing this episode from what i was doing in research i heard this was actually his first ever heroic kind of like real true fully good guy role Mm. um which is interesting um i guess aliens could potentially fall under that a little bit Uh, but he's he's generally not been uh a heroic character Uh, and and this was that for him uh we have you know sam elliott uh sam elliott's mustache um, both of them doing a phenomenal job. We have, yes. gosh, I mean, our list of villains is crazy, crazy, crazy. We have Michael Bean. Uh, we have, who do else do we have? We have Billy Bob Thornton in a completely supporting role, looking the fattest you will ever see Billy Bob Thornton, by the way. You almost don't know it's him because he's so <laughs> chubby. Oh, Johnny Tyler. Oh, Johnny Tyler. Um, and who else do we have as a villain? I mean, oh gosh, we have uh, Stephen Lang, right, playing mm-hmm. Ike Clanton. Um, it, it, it's just crazy. I mean, oh, Jason Priestley, Beverly Hills uh, Nine Hundred Two and O fame. Jason Priestley, when he shows up, <laughs> you're just like, what? Like, how and, and, is this guy here? Yeah, and let's not forget a little bit of Charlton Heston because what western would be complete without a little Charlton Heston? As little as I know about westerns, but I would think that westerns need more Charlton Heston. I I think that's a fair fair statement. So, <laughs> I mean, this cast list is incredible and I think you're right. I think everyone while not everyone doesn't have this this huge completely dramatic arc to themselves because it would be impossible to do that, but they all have enough of a characterization about them. They all are defined and they all you know, move in one way or another they change they have an arc they change from where they start in this film and where they end whether it be very very small or bigger in nature and so it is really cool to be able to watch this movie and just kind of put your eyes to one specific person and and watch it from their point of view Um, it's it's a cool exercise and it makes this film you know even more infinitely rewatchable than it already is the the other thing that you had mentioned that i wanted to touch on is a, a little piece of movie trivia so are you aware of what what happened with Kevin Costner because you brought him up and this movie? I well, I'm going to take a guess. I, I know that he played Wyatt Earp at some point, uh-huh. and I don't know if it was in connection with this movie, but so, it was another movie that my dad said, "Well, now that you've seen Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp, you really need to see the story of Wyatt Earp." And I, have, I still haven't seen it yet. Okay, so 
rough version of what happened. Um, essentially, Kevin Costner was slated or or intended to play this role of Wyatt Earp in Tombstone, but Kurt Russell ended up taking that over, and it created a, a large amount of beef, to be honest, between Kevin Costner and Kurt Russell. Um, to the point that Kevin Costner ended up going and making Wyatt Earp as a uh, rebuttal, <laughs> right, right, because he didn't get to play Wyatt Earp in Tombstone, so he went to 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 do that as a rebuttal, and then he kind of sort That's of funny. led this like hate campaign, and he even tried to prevent Tombstone from getting distributed. Um, it is it, just it's it's crazy, it's crazy. Kevin, yeah, I mean, talk about a, a cat fight, right? Um, and ultimately, you know, Tombstone, as we know, pretty much won this fight. They won the box office war, uh, which uh, it wasn't a huge box office draw for Tombstone at the time. Uh, and then generally, Tombstone is received much better. I mean, there are, Wyatt Earp has its fans, and it is a much different film, by the way. Um, but you know, if you ask people what their favorite Westerns are, this one is going to come up in more top fives than Wyatt Earp ever is going to. And if you ask somebody to define who their Wyatt Earp is, Kurt Russell's name is going to come out of their mouth. And so it didn't really work out too well for Kevin Costner. And, you know, a little bit of a, yeah, a little bit of a petty, petty fight there. An interesting story to to start yeah. us off. That's funny. I, you, I, I don't know that having not seen Wyatt Earp, I don't know that I want to see anybody, but Kurt Russell play Wyatt Earp. I mean, I don't know enough about the character except what I know from this film but what I do know is that Kurt Russell uh, played a great Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China, which I saw two or three nights ago uh, for the umpteenth time. And I felt like he kind of channeled one character into the other. I can't remember. I, don't, I, I mean, I think Big Trouble came up before Tombstone. But every time I see him in either one of those roles, I picture him in the opposite role because I feel like those the attitudes and the swag swagger the whatever behind each one of those characters is about is come from comes from the same place a sense of real confidence a place of uh, just real i mean it's not arrogance it's just it's just downright good confidence i mean he said in uh in tombstone he said <laughs> i think it was was it just after the gunfight at the okay corral where he said i don't think you'll arrest us today behan i mean what who says that right well you know Again, thank you for the perfect segue. Let's talk a minute about the historical accuracy of this film. Because this is, I mean, this is the ideal example of what Hollywood does to take a film that is based in real fact and kind of try to explode it a little bit and make it more exciting and, and interesting than it, than it may have been. This is exactly what Michael Bay did with the Transformers Right when the real Transformers came, it wasn't quite as big of a deal. No, I'm kidding. Um, sorry, I guess that joke didn't land. But why uh, did you put Michael Bay in this episode? Uh, you're edit right. that out, please. I hope you edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so let me go over a quick couple of facts about the his, the historical accuracy of the film, and you know mainly the gunfight at the OK Corral is what I'm going to keep this to. So it really is mostly accurate. Um, the actual OK. Uh, gunfight at the OK Corral only lasted under 30 seconds, though. It was super fast and over in a blink of an eye, which makes sense. Um, one of the things I noted when watching it this time was both in the opening scene uh, at the church and then also uh, at this there, at this time, there's another uh, at the OK Corral. The the way in which gunfights went down in that time period is much, much more like... Um, your medieval times or uh, older warfare where armies would line up and just march toward each other and, and then fight. Right. Um, we often see this in Westerns where people will just line up and look at each other and they'll do this, you know, slow cuts to the face while you see eyes twitching and fingers just kind of hovering over their guns, waiting to quick draw. It's really intriguing because they, they weren't trying to, they weren't trying to get, use strategy and hide behind barrels and catch each other off guard. It was much a much more manly thing where I was going to win these gunfights by being faster than you. Because I'm faster, I'm going to stand here and directly where I'm, I'm not going to move, I'm just going to be quicker and more accurate than you. Um, and so that stuck out to me. 
And, and that would be partially why this thing is over in, you know, less than 30 seconds, <laughs> uh, because it's, it's, it's a couple shots and then it's done. Um, other, other points, Ike Clanton and Billy Claiborne actually fled the battle. Um, and to the point where, uh, what was it? Ike Clanton was not, ar- he asked, Wyatt asked if he was armed and Ike Clanton said no, and he wasn't. And Wyatt said, well, get fighting or get out was the quote that was written down. And then they ran. Um, Behan did try to arrest them and Wyatt actually did say what you brought up. That's what triggered this. Uh, his actual quote was, I won't be arrested today. I am right here and I'm not going away. Wow. That was the actual. So he basically said, I don't feel like being arrested today. Like, I mean, it was very, very loosely paraphrased. It was almost right on the money. Pretty cool. Right. That is. And anytime you get into a depiction of a historical event, you run the risk of being too liberal <laughs> with your storytelling. Um, but I think that movies like this in particular, well, this one specifically, I'm okay with some of the liberties that were taken because of the fact that this movie felt big. It didn't feel like, I mean, like... <laughs> From the very beginning, for example, let's introducing these characters. The first scene we show, you know, after the narration, we show the cowboys just completely wailing at this, at, you know, just completely destroying this wedding because apparently one of the guys at this wedding killed two cowboys. And so we get a sense of who they are. The next scene, we see Wyatt Earp and we see, I, don't know, I guess it's a, uh, uh, per, a servant on the train or somebody that's handling the cargo and he pulls Wyatt Earp's horse off and he starts slapping him, try to get him down. And Wyatt Earp grabs the guy and proceeds to do the same thing to him. And then the next scene after that is the scene with Doc Holliday. And we get to hear the first of probably 50 great quotes from this loudmouth, can't shut up guy And so we get these big moments with characters. Now, I don't know if Doc Holliday ever said all those lines, but I know that he was, he was an educated man. And so the, the kind of the pronunciation of his, the, the exacerbation of his character, I think was an extension of that. And so that tells me that when we look at a fight, like the okay corral, we need something that's going to last longer than 30 seconds because 30 seconds isn't interesting. You have to do something special to make it interesting. And we get payoffs. We get funny lines from, you know, from Ike Clanton who, well, funny moments from Ike Clanton where he's running away and then he proceeds, once he gets out of arm's way, he then starts shooting people when he gets a chance. I mean, so I, I just, none of that ever, I mean, you didn't ask me this, but I'll just go ahead and say it. None of that really bothered me at all. You know, and I think using, using moments in history to help set the stage for other things I think was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's a couple others. Um, so the trial, there was actually a trial after the okay corral. Um, and the herbs and holidays, the herbs and holidays, the herbs and holidays, <laughs> only one holiday. Um, they were found innocent and, and free from any wrongdoing. And that is actually what initiated and inflamed the feud more between the Cowboys and the herbs. It was that it was the fact the Cowboys were irate that, the Earps were found innocent from the gunfight. And so that's what elevated it to the point where, you know, they went after them and, and, you know, killed Morgan and started the whole, you know, thing up to where Wyatt ended up going on his retribution ride. So, it, you know, it's, 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 it's such an interesting history and I urge anybody, I'm not going to just keep going and going because we could, and it would be very intriguing, but I urge you guys to look up the history of, the okay corral and basically the Wyatt Earp story. Like this is, this is a really interesting piece of history and time. And so much of it is accurate. Uh, you know, the Cowboys were basically like hired guns and they were working for the government in a lot of, a lot of cities. That's, that's why Sheriff Behan's kind of on their side. You know, they were working for the cattlemen. This, this goes back to the idea of young guns, right? Where, you know, these cattle ranchers had these posses to protect them. Um, and then this particular posse just got away with murder, so to speak. And so um, it, it was the feuds were were very frequent. 
the one other note I wanted to make about the realistic nature of the film is it was actually widely known that Josephine Marcus and Wyatt were a couple. So there was no question about that. So that, that was a little bit played up their romance, uh, at least time period wise, uh, for the film. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Sure. So there's a lot of historical accuracy in this. And you and I have said two different things. There's a historical accuracy part of it. And then what I would call the rock and roll portion, the action adventure that drew me to it. I think one of the criticisms that could be said about this movie is because it's kind of over the top and there are moments that are just kind of not really unintentionally funny, but maybe that we laugh too much in movies like this. Because if you think about a John Wayne movie, I'm assuming you're not supposed to laugh in certain, you know, it's, it's a serious movie about cowboys and about this stuff. Do you feel like a movie like this, because it has all those elements sort of combined, do you think that there are things about it that have what I would call, and I'm putting this in air quotes, redeeming value. In other words, can we look at a film like this that is incredibly fun to watch and incredibly fun to revisit and can there be things in there that we can pull like we do from, you know, from other films that we've reviewed? Because it would be easy just to say, oh, this is a popcorn movie. You don't need to, you know, just go ahead and check it out and just enjoy the show. Yeah, sure, you can do that. But do you see some some other stuff going on in here in terms of themes and ideas? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. Are you, you're asking, so thematically, um, is this yeah. movie more than just a quote machine? Um, there we go. That's yes. a, yeah, a good way to put it. Yes, because, it is. It, it yeah. is. I, I think it is. So there's a couple things. I mean, first off, I would say the overarching theme of the film is, you know, it revolves around family and brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's an, or it's an undertone that is cons- consistently there, um, whether it's Wyatt and his brothers um, or whether it's the brothers and Wyatt and, and Doc Holliday. Um, there's an, an example of this even within the – you know, antagonist ranks where, uh, Turkey Creek Johnson and Texas Jack and, uh, McMasters, um, in the what, end, what great names, by the way, uh, just let me just, I know I wish great cowboy names. I wish, I wish I remembered our cowboy names from the Magnificent seven episode. Cause we had good ones. Um, I think you were white bread. White and I was bread. just, I was white, white bread. <laughs> oh, I was, I was white bread. Oh, I love it. Aaron white bread. Oh, <laughs> I, I should be wearing a I should be wearing a cowboy hat and boots right now to record this to be more authentic, but no, you're right. <laughs> they are fantastic names, and but those guys, the, those that trio, eventually, you know, they don't stand for what the cowboys are standing for, and they they take they change sides um, and they fight against them. Uh, what's his face does too? Jason Priestley is that Billy? Billy, yeah, Billy. So, you know, there's this idea of brotherhood that runs through the film and then the idea of you know where that loyalty how far that loyalty goes right. um so that's so, one i see mm-hmm. uh and i see i see other things too i see um, a, a very interesting and intriguing story between wyatt and josephine and his mm-hmm. wife and and how that plays out i'd like to talk about that in, in detail here in just a minute about what we think about how it's portrayed and where the right choices made um, and you know, there's, there's also to me a huge theme of learning. I don't, I don't know how to word this. Maybe it's this idea of understanding who you are and at the same time trying to become something else and whether or not you can, whether or not you can escape your past, um, whether or not you should and, Things like that, because what we have here is we have Wyatt and his brothers trying to settle. You know, it's it's a very classic tale here. They're just they're just trying to get out of the law dog life. You see that? I had to, I had to get that in there because law don't go right here. Law don't go Savvy? right. Savvy? <laughs> law don't go right here. So they uh, <laughs> they're trying to get out of that, and they just want to you know they just want to come to this town and make a little money and just retire. Essentially, they're in retirement mode, and. But they have this history, you know. The, the, Wyatt Earp's legendary as a, as a lawman at this point, and so there's this this idea of can you escape that? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, can you, is it reasonable or is it reasonable for him to think he can escape that, uh, and just decide, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that here and everybody's going to be okay with it. And, um, I find that fascinating to be honest, just watching that. And, and the same thing kind of goes for, um, doc, you know, can, can doc, you know, it, it docs mouth. He, he, he just can't change who he is. Right. And eventually, you know, that gets him into trouble, but that's, that also gets him out of trouble and, and you can't, that's who he is. He can't not be that way. True. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely pick up on that idea that there is a sense of fighting who you are. And, you know, in the end, I think we see that not, you know, denying who you are doesn't, well, who is it? Um, Behan, when he confronts Virgil, and and Wyatt and and those three guys, he says, you know, you're making a. It's not, it's not Behan. I can't remember who it is. It's one of the one of the. Uh, I think it's the mayor of the town. Anyway, he looks a he, lot. Mayor and Behan look almost identical. Yeah, I, I can't remember the actor's name uh, because he's one of many that you know has a famous anyway. But he he confronts them when they're playing pool, and he's like, yeah, you made a lot of money in this town, and he's basically trying to guilt trip them. And I love, I love, I love. Bill Paxton's character when he says, he says, uh, he says, uh, yeah, I'm suffering from a hangover. <laughs> it's just of the three. And what you see in that scene are three individuals, three brothers who care about each other, who are trying to start this life. And all three of them are reacting somewhat differently. You know, you have Virgil who's, I mean, he's really, really struggling with this. You know, he and, and the next scene really kind of reinforces that. And so what I think is interesting is that all three of them having different responses, but they all end up going back to where they came from, not just because it was comfortable, because it was right. It was who they were and what the town needed. And I think there's a sense of loyalty that comes from that, not only to them, not only for them to their their own individualness, but also to each other as a family. In fact, uh, uh, Paxson's character is, what's his name again? It's Morgan. Morgan, thank you. I, I could not remember it. So Morgan, why it's confronting Virgil after he shows him the badge, and he said, he said come on, Morgan. And then you see, you see Morgan just kind of show his little collar, and then he goes, oh, man, not you too. And he says, he says I mean, you know me, Wyatt. Got to gotta back my brother's play. Got to back your brother's play, yeah. And so I just... Moments like that really, I think, give me a sense of the heart that this film has and how these characters aren't just highly quotable and entertaining, but they really do offer something that that we can connect with as people. And knowing that I can go back to that and add the quotes and the great entertainment value to it make this movie so much more fun each time. Oh, it's just, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're so right. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think of an example that would be a quote, quote, unquote, quote machine movie that isn't as narratively deep. And honestly, you know, maybe, maybe the princess bride in, in some ways would be an example of that. Um, I'm sure there's others out there. I'm just, they're not coming to mind, but you know, you, it's good writing. Is it? witty and is it catchy and and are there fantastically delivered perfectly timed you know delivery of these lines yeah that's why we all resonate with it like it's okay to just be like that too um because you know the thing that i always remember about tombstone is i want to be these guys there are tons of westerns that i adore and i would put five star ranking on and tell you they're in my top 50 of all time. 310 to Yuma, True Grit, both the original and the remake. Um, the assassination of uh, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. These are phenomenal Western films. But I didn't come out of those wanting to be their characters, right? Mm-hmm. I, but I tell you what, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Doc Holliday in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, or I wanted to be Wyatt um, because – they were awesome <laughs> yeah. and they were fun. And, and so it's great that they're, they can mix. I think it is a talent to mix the depth in with that fun. And 
It's right. just, it's rare. It's rare to get both. Right. And I think one thing I wanted to talk about real quick, uh, because you mentioned it earlier, I want to talk about a, a, a presumption that I make when it comes to not films in general, but I'll say a, a presumption I made about this as a Western. Encountering Doc Holliday, a sophisticated individual, Southern man, you know, who had an incredible amount of vocabulary. And com- combined with Josephine, who is not your typical woman, mm. Western woman. Mm, no. Mm-mm. Who is very much, who is very much, uh, you know, she, she self-commentates on herself. She says, if I'm not having fun, you know, or if I'm, if I'm not being a lady, then I guess I'm just not going to be a lady. And I look at those two characters from a, from a level of personally challenge my presuppositions about what Western men and women are supposed to be like. To me, a cowboy is supposed to be the Ike Clinton, you know, a model representation of someone who doesn't know when to shut up and completely like uneducated. In fact, there's one great scene that I love with him and Doc where he's, you know, Doc is just throttling him at poker and he wins this latest hand and Ike just gets really mad and he goes, well, Ike, I'm sorry. Maybe poker's just not your game. I tell you what, why don't we have a spelling contest? And he's laughing and I'm laughing and Ike's just getting so mad. But to me, Ike Clanton is the ideal guy of like, that's what a cowboy is. Not just the cowboy in this movie, but like, you know, what a, you know, they're not a, they're not smart people. Just, and that's wrong to say that I know because cowboys are smart people. But when you think of cowboys in the stereotypical sense, you think of them as a certain way. And to me, Doc Holliday challenges that. And then on the other end of that, you look at a woman like Josephine who challenges what it means to be a lady in a good way. I mean, she's like, poking the bear she's poking Wyatt Earp by asking him what makes you are you happy you know what 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 do you want to do in life and he's like where are all these you know who asks me these questions you know he's coming from a relationship with a woman who clearly does not ask him those questions does not challenge him and her character really intrigues me I mean she is a very very evolved character throughout the throughout the film and I love that she challenges that to me when I when I meet her, that she's not flat to begin with. She's very round because she's different than what your assumptions are about Western women, you know. And I'm, I might be in the minority there. I might be the only person. I'm okay with that. You know? But if I'm in the minority, then I'm in the minority, you know. So what do you think about all that? Well, I mean, I like her as a character in this film, she has a, a place in this film. Um, she is a challenge for me because I do not agree with some of the things that she says about life. She talks about, you know, if I'm not having fun, then what's the point of living? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree with that. I think that's very uh, basic like type of, you know, thought process for someone to have that, that that's, that's what they're going to define their life by is just having fun. I think she, I don't, I don't think that's sustainable or realistic. And, well, I, I, okay. And well, I, no, I, I'm done. I'm just saying, I just don't, I don't, I, I mean, I, I agree with her placement. I mean, she's real in the story. So, I mean, she's in the history. So mm-hmm. I guess I can't say I disagree with her placement because she's, she, she was there, <laughs> but I have an, I have a hard time with this part of the movie because Wyatt has a wife that is become addicted to drugs essentially. And, you know, mm-hmm. is they're struggling. They're not, in a happy marriage, things are not going well in the marriage and someone comes along that sparks his interest and gives him a sense of excitement of being mm-hmm. who he once was and who he probably still really is at heart. And so from a romanticized point of view, that is lovely and amazing. And yes, of course we want to root for Wyatt to be with the woman that's perfect for him. But, and then my mind flashes and I see his wife laying in a bed on drugs and I can't help Mm -hmm. but wonder what if you put all of your effort into your marriage and maybe he did in real life maybe he did I don't we don't know that we don't get that in the film though we don't get it we don't get the sense that he is pouring his heart and soul now we do get a sense that he is a good man at heart at least at the beginning because he does make an effort to fight his 
urges toward her. Um, there's the scenes with Doc where he, you know, he say he Doc why like, you are an oak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so he tries. Um, but you know, ultimately we end up with the Hollywood ending of, of them being together because they're supposed to be and And that kind of, you know, I don't know that I love that. That's one of the things well, that it's one of the few things that I'm not super keen on in this movie. Right. And here's, here's where I will agree with you. I, I don't agree with their relationship as a family man, as someone who loves his wife, that's sacred. You don't mess with that. You fight through it. At the same time, what I appreciate, again, I don't know the extent of her character and what's true and what's being fabricated. But seeing someone who doesn't act the way you would expect someone like Maddie or someone, you know, like these other women that you, you run across. Now there were hints of it because I saw there were several women who you see in the background, they're holding up signs that say equal rights for equal people. And so there, there seemed to be a bit of like, equality for women maybe being being you know preached you know indirectly there but i can appreciate someone like josephine who who seems like a strong woman whether i agree with her motives or agree with what you know what she's intending to do living life just because it's fun yes that's very much a a one-trick pony you don't you know if that's what you're living for on a personal level, that's not a lot. But she challenges Wyatt in a way that she says, do you really want the life that you have? You know what? And it would be really cool and to be really different to hear him say, yep, I'm absolutely happy with this. I'm going to go fight for my wife and <laughs> for the things that she... But that wasn't the story that was being told. And what we got was a sense of someone who challenges him. His wife clearly was not challenging him. Right, and him having a need for that, and I, I totally understand that. Like I said, that's it's a romanticized thing that that you want to gravitate toward for sure. You want to root for that, and you want to be like, well, yeah, this makes sense. It gets the heart pumping, like well, that's, that's what we I all... don't want. Yeah, I don't want to root for that. That's I know, but but naturally, I, I, I agree. I want him to say, you know what, you're right. I do want that, but I made this choice, and I'm going to stick mm -hmm. with my choice because I made this right. choice. That's what I want him to say. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, it's yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, so another, there's a couple things I want to I want to hit on, and it's it's tough in these minisodes because we're we're rapid firing through um, good stuff. But uh, maybe we'll do a little afterwards at the end of this one for our for our Patreon supporters and, and talk some more. The I want to I want to briefly hit on a couple scenes with Bill Paxson because this is a tribute. Um, I feel like though he's not in this, I mentioned in the intro, you know, Morgan has a few. I feel like every scene he's in or every moment he has to talk really, it, it has a pretty good impact and is meaningful starting there at the beginning. He asks Wyatt if he believes in God, which I think I find is a very important part of this film. Right. Um, and he says, what do you think happens when you die? And it, it just gives us this, it really paints the picture of what Morgan's character is to me as this, as this idealistic and thoughtful brother. It, it really, I mean, it's just, that's what I think is so brilliant about the script and people, don't get for some reason is I learned so much about him just from this conversation that took three sentences. I was able to know what that guy was, who he was um, and what his role in the brother trio, you know, was, and you learn that about Virgil too. You learn right. real quick, you know, how he's the, the stalwart and the one that ultimately he's got that heart of gold and he is just not going to accept uh, and tolerate any kind of wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. Um, so and he anyway, loves his wife. <laughs> and oh yeah, oh yes he does. Um and so we we get that moment with with Bill Paxton's character Morgan. You already mentioned uh him and his I'm going to back my brother's play that being another one of the the big scenes for him. And then the the other huge one is the shining moment where, you know, Doc is at the it's at the OK Corral and Doc has been shot. And uh he he says uh this is the the great line that you're a daisy if you do. Yeah. Um, line that he he gives. Um, gosh, who was he talking to? I don't even know, but somebody's up against him at that point. And Some uh, famous person, yeah, it's actually just one <laughs> of the cowboys. It's not one of the main main people, but it's um, it, it, it highlights Doc's need to kind of like always press and test the limits as well. Like he he just 
he has to have a challenge. It can't be simple for him. And so he's just taunting and taunting and taunting. It's a miracle this guy lasted all the way to die by consumption, honestly, um, because of all of the taunting he does in his life. But he makes that taunt. Um, and it's Morgan who comes out of nowhere and shoots him and saves mm-hmm. saves Doc's life. And I lied. There, there's the one more moment. The, the last moment would be his final pieces of dialogue that I feel oh, tie yeah. back to that initial opening we got from him. And he's laying there and he's dying. And it, I think Bill Paxton acts wonderfully in this movie. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to choose it if he didn't. He plays this role perfectly. And he says, remember what I said about seeing a light when you're dying? That ain't true. I can't see a damn thing. <laughs> and then he dies. And it's it's such a, a realistic, like, kind of final words, you know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't go on this big, long monologue. And so... I really enjoy his inclusion in this film, even though he's not the star of it. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, Bill Paxton's role in this was to support, and there's some, some real value to that. But I think what we get from the moments with him is the fact that we see that purity. It's not necessarily naive. I don't even think we know. I don't, I think we know, like, we know that Wyatt was a lawman. We know that Virgil was a lawman. But what we don't know if I don't is it told if Morgan is? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know that yeah. the movie tells us much. I think that so, they were all. I think it, they were all three were kind of so part I of think, it. Yeah, those scenes, every scene that he's in, I think what he does is he amplifies the younger brother the one who wants to be like his older brothers. He wants to do whatever it takes to stay loyal to them, to mimic them in whatever way possible. And what I think is wonderful about that is that there's no boundaries for him because he has these two guys that he looks up to and he's not looking at them just on their successes. But he said he's, it's almost as if he's hopeful, you know, and despite the the last line where he says that ain't true and then he dies, I think his heart is very hopeful. I think he's, yeah, even the moments when he's talking about, you know, their success in the town, you know, owning mining stock and having a stake at the, um, at the, the Oriental, you know, you could see this young, like, I'm excited to, he's not just excited about being rich and being successful. He's excited about doing this with his brothers. I mean, I'm a younger brother. And so as I got older, my brother and I were four years apart, so we never had a chance to connect with each other. And it wasn't until college when we both kind of had something in common. And then when we both got married and both had children, we started to connect more. Um, and I think that there's some real it goes back to that theme you mentioned of brotherhood that I think that Bill Paxton as Morgan, I think what he does is he, he articulates visually and contextually a sense of what a younger brother acts like both being loyal, sometimes naive, sometimes <laughs> not even really immature, but sometimes he says things that you're like, okay. But in the end, you know that he's not going to leave. You know that he's going to stay faithful to the people that are closest to him. And I, I just think that's great. I think it's fantastic because in some ways his brothers need him. They need that hopefulness because Wyatt clearly has seen the rough stuff in life. And it sounds like Virgil has too. And so he's sort of forced to go back into it. But but Morgan's just like, guys, I'm here. You know, and I believe that there's good in the world and I believe that we can make a difference and you know, make some money off the side, you know. But <laughs> right. I, I think that I think that's where his where his character stands out the most is that sense of hope that he brings indirectly as a younger brother. Yeah. I like that a lot. Actually. I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up because he does. I I agree. I think he's, I think it's critical. I think all three of them are so different um, and they really balance each other well. And, and I, and they give this a a wholly different sense than if it was just Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, you know, against the Cowboys, because that, that would be an old Western. This is, this is different. This has family. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the one other thing I want to just touch on is 
for me, one of the big things that I focused on this time around is really this ongoing battle between Ringo and Doc. Um, mm. Ringo is like the new version of Doc, but he's the bad version of Doc. Like Doc has a heart. Um, they're both very loose. They're both very, they both don't play within the rules all the time. Um, they're both incredibly well educated. We get fantastic taunting scenes several different times between them. One, you know, physic had <laughs> the physicality of the taunting of the, the twir- twirling of the guns. And of course, doc, you know, using his, his, his cup, <laughs> his tin cup, which is just so brilliant. Um, and then the, the Latin, the Latin battle that they go into, which is just phenomenal. <laughs> And clearly he's an educated man. Yeah. I really hate him. No, I really hate him. Yeah. And you get this mirrored image of the two of them, like a mirrored image, but with different ideals. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, doc has this, this amazing lines that he says about Ringo. He describes him and he says, a man like Ringo has got a great big hole right in the middle of him. He can never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever feel it. And he says, well, what does he want? And, and I think it's why he's is asking him, he says, what does he want? He says, revenge. And he says, why? And he says, for being born. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> oh, it's so good. And it completely synergizes with the ending because in the end, you know, we get to this point where, you know, they're facing off and there's this scene and he says, all right, Lunger, let's do it. Right. And, you can see on Johnny Ringo's face and in his voice, like as he's facing doc that I think he knows he's going to die at that point. I think he knows he's beat. I think he, I think he knows like he, he feels he, he must see doc as like an embodiment of death. And I feel, I feel that this is like, if we were going to have a connecting point, it almost might be my connecting point because it's like, there's so much emotion in that scene to me. Because he knows that Doc has come to face him in Wyatt's place. And this is a concept that he does not hold to. And he can't fully understand this idea of self-sacrifice or putting yourself there for someone else. Right? And so it's just this, oh, it's just an incredibly tense, tight scene between the two of them. And their kind of ongoing battle between this each other in this movie is like one of my absolute favorite things to watch. And I really focus in on that this time around. That's great, man. And that scene this time around when I was watching it connected me back to the opening scene. And this is going to be a stretch. So listeners, you can slap me digitally and say that was a weird connection. But the quote that Ringo translated about the the pale horse and on it came death, in a sense... I think if you look at if you look at Doc, Doc being Holland, pale, <laughs> very and, pale. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that was intentional, but that's the thing that I kind of connected with in that moment. I was like, here's here's the pale horse, and with him comes death. And with what you were saying, that Johnny Ringo knew he was going to die. He knew he was beat. And what a great poetic way to end that feud, and to end, you know, on that on that moment with the two of them. Uh, because it's a fantastic scene anyway, but when you kind of layer it with that and with what you just said, it makes it even better. That's amazing. I, you know, I had not even put those two t- together, but that is a <laughs> phenomenal observation. And maybe it's a stretch. Maybe it is. Oh, no, it's so perfect. I mean, it is. It is a great way to, you know, wrap up that storyline between the two of them and connect it. And you know, with that being said, let's wrap this episode up. And uh, and do that. I mean, we'll, maybe we we probably can't tie this back to a quote from the Bible. Um, no. <laughs> but uh, well, it is you know, finished. Why it, it did? Finished. Why it is down by the creek, walking on water. So, <laughs> hey, we haven't been through. The, we haven't made it through this whole episode, Patrick, without saying the the iconic line in this movie, though. That what? Well, <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully, somebody has been counting. All right. Well. I think we might still have some more to talk about. Um, we probably are going to do an afterwards for this episode where we talk a little bit more about Tombstone and probably a lot more about Bill Paxton and some of his other roles. We we wanted to give him more uh, airtime because this is a tribute to, to the late, great Bill Paxton and just um, how much we appreciated him as an actor and um, are thankful for, for being able to experience the 
amazing art he gave us. So um, we're going to do that for our Patreon supporters. If you want to get access to that, I think you can do that for as little as $2 uh, a month. Uh, if you come over to patreon.com slash feeling film uh, and check that out, see what all you can get. Patrick, this was awesome. I am so glad we got a chance to talk about this episode. Listeners, thank you so much for choosing this episode. Our donors picked this. Like I said, um, I'm grateful we didn't do this. Um, eventually we would have done it, but it's nice to be able to do it now and, and, and quicker because they wanted it. And, and you guys, you guys spoke and I appreciate that. Ah, absolutely. So if you would like to continue the discussion and if you want to be my friend on Facebook or <laughs> Twitter, if you want to be my friend, if you want to be my friend, because if you, if you're not my friend, then I got I lots of friends, think... Patrick. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you, if, I was going to, I was going to say the other quote. It's like, if you, if you don't, want to be my friend i just don't think i could bear it <laughs> anyway that's a bad way to segue into the fact that if you guys want to find me on uh on social media you can catch me at shoeless patch s-h-o-e-l-e-s-s-p-a-t-c-h on twitter facebook instagram or you can uh, check out more about me at thisispatch.com and you can also check out more about the show at feelingfilm.com as well yep website got a recent facelift uh, via patrick the landing page looks the same but lots of great new organization in the menus so check that out we've got a lot of new content coming out and uh, our contributors are always doing work each week as well you can find me all over the web at aaron l white a-a-r-o-n-e-l-w-h-i-t-e primarily on twitter and facebook i'm very active and in our facebook group which we would love to have you come join we just recently went over 200 members and that is amazing it continues continues to be an awesome place for discussion but i think that's it for now Uh, we're gonna wrap this one up and until next time as we always like to say here stay positive and keep feeling film